This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, deep within my coronavirus bunker on day I. What of this lockdown here with my good buddy, Rich Hill. It's been a while, Rich, but uh, I imagine not much has happened since I talked to you last because we can't go anywhere. <laughs> well, so, some news on our side from my household. Uh, we had a kid, so that is part hey! of the reason why March, nothing really happened from the podcast standpoint, but also nothing really happened from the Patriots standpoint either. Uh, once Tom Brady left, it felt like the Patriots decided to say, you know what? Let's just wait until the draft. <laughs> there was no real moves after the first, like, two days of free agency. Uh, I think they signed Brandon Copeland, a former linebacker, a pass rusher from the Jets. And that's kind of about it uh, after the first few days. Alec, how have you been? Wait a minute. Before I get to how I've been, you're telling me the reason you blew off our podcasts in March is because you had a baby? That's the excuse you're giving me for missing these podcasts? Yeah, I hate to break it to you in front of our entire audience, but yeah, no, that that is the case, uh, and I'm wow, going to wow. have to raise this child in a world where he will never know Tom Brady as a member of the Patriots. This is just a travesty on so many levels, Rich. Well, congrats on the kid. I'm sorry he had to come into the world in a, in a Bradyless Patriots environment. However, hopefully the Patriots will still be successful during the life of, of Hill Jr. because the Patriots are making moves in the draft, or they will be this coming Thursday. Kicks off virtually via Zoom. Very excited to see how Bill Belichick tries to figure out uh, digital drafting. I can't imagine <laughs> it going well for him. But hopefully there are enough guys inside the Patriots front office that know how to use this stuff. Going to be a very weird scenario watching this draft take place uh, for a couple reasons, Rich. One, obviously because no one's going to be there. Coronavirus has canceled it from a live standpoint. Uh, two, the Patriots are picking at 23rd overall, which is the earliest they've picked in a very long time. Three, they have no second-round pick, which is usually where they start to make the most moves. And four, there's probably more uncertainty surrounding this team than there's been for the entire 21st century, especially at the quarterback position. No one knows who they're going to pick. There's a lot of positions of need coming into the draft. And some of the areas where the Patriots do have positions of need, they're not the deepest draft class. So a lot of question marks abound uh, over the coming days for the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. And let's kick this off by recapping what the Patriots have done over the past few weeks, so we can kind of take stock of the roster, figure out what needs the Patriots have, and then we can jump into the draft itself, figure out which players really fit, what we think that the Patriots will do, uh, and, and how we think that the Patriots will be standing once the draft is over. Uh, and so to, to recap, uh, at the quarterback position, some guy left, and they brought back Brian Hoyer. So he is going to be competing with Jarrett Stidham to be the starter. 
they signed fullback Danny Vitale, uh, formerly, I believe, of Northwestern, um, but he spent a lot of time with the Green Bay Packers. So now the Patriots have three fullbacks with James Devlin, Jakob Johnson, and then Vitale. Uh, at wide receiver, they signed Demir Bird, a big speedster on the outside who will likely be taking over the role vacated by Philip Dorsett with the added benefit that he can return kicks and punts. Uh, at the tight end spot, it's still just Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste. So to, to recap, they have more fullbacks than they have tight ends. Uh, on the offensive line, they franchised Joe Tooney. On the defensive line, they signed Bo Allen. They said goodbye to Danny Shelton, uh, and so Allen will take that spot. And they also retained Adam Butler, who signed his restricted free agent tag. And then uh, at the linebacker slash pass rusher position, they've lost Kyle Van Noy. They've lost Jamie Collins. But they brought in Brandon Copeland, formerly of the, the New York Jets. And they re-signed Shalit Calhoun, so hopefully he'll be able to continue to build off of a pretty productive first year he had in New England last season. But right now, the depth at linebacker is just Hightower and then Juwan Bentley uh, because Copeland's on the edge as a pass rusher. And then in the defensive back spot, they signed Adrian Phillips, formerly of the Chargers, who plays a very similar role to what Patrick Chung does as like hybrid linebacker, slot, safety. So he can do it all. I would imagine that he's been acquired with the intention of eventually replacing Patrick Chung in the coming years. Uh, and then they signed uh, Cody Davis as a free safety. So that's what they've done. Uh, they don't have Steven Goskowski anymore. There's no kicker on the roster. Alec, based off of all of the moves that they've made and where the roster stands, where are the glaring holes other than a quarterback? Uh, well, I guess the easy answer is kicker because they don't have one. <laughs> it's the only position where there's literally nobody on the roster capable of doing that. Uh, however, I think, honestly, we talked about it last year, Rich. They didn't really do anything to address it, and I think they paid the price. It's really got to be tight end. I think in a, a offensive scheme that Belichick runs that is very tight end heavy, always has been, especially if they go with either a second-year quarterback in Stidham or they draft a quarterback or a new quarterback in the system regardless, you've got to rely on the run to keep the offense on the field and to keep the quarterback from making too many decisions and getting overwhelmed. And the best way to have a good running game is a good O-line and solid tight end play, especially with Dante Scarnecchia gone, having more blockers, guys that can block and chip at the line is going to be so important. So I really hope they address the tight end either in the draft or via free agency. But again, like I mentioned, I don't think there are a lot of really talented tight ends in either the draft or out there in the market right now. So it's a question mark. Yeah, absolutely. It's a position where there's only a few good tight ends in the entire league. I, I, I did some research just to figure out, you know, how many good tight ends are there? And remember last season, the Patriots signed Austin Safarian Jenkins to, you know, uh, to see him retire later in the summer. But I just wanted to see how many tight ends are actually impactful as a receiver, never mind as a blocker, never mind as a blocker, because uh, there aren't that many of those in the first place. But there is this interesting scouting report that's been being shared by Daniel Jeremiah, formerly a scout for the Cleveland Browns slash Baltimore Ravens. I believe actually just the Ravens, but they had some notes from Bill Belichick because the Browns became Ravens. And Belichick himself doesn't really value the blocking for a tight end, saying that they can manufacture it. You know, it'd be great if they could, but the number one thing that they need to do is catch the ball. The number two thing they need to do is be able to run. And so... Gronkowski was an anomaly, and in reality, maybe the Patriots don't really need a tight end that can block so much as catch, and there's only like 10 good tight ends in the entire league. You know, there's only 10 tight ends that will be worth catching the ball better than just the random schmo that you get off the street, so I think 
in a draft where there isn't a strong tight end and when there's not a strong tight end in free agency, the Patriots are going to have to creative, be creative, and maybe that's why they've signed another fullback because when it comes to that flexibility, there's probably more fullbacks out there that are, you know, good at doing that run blocking and maybe can squeeze, you know, 30 catches a year. That might be a better use of of a roster spot than a, a tight end just because there aren't that many good tight ends in the first place. Rich, do you think the fact that the Patriots do have three tight ends right now, excuse me, three fullbacks right now, uh, bodes maybe something about James Devlin calling it a career? I know he's coming off a neck injury. He's been in there for a long time, taking a lot of hits. You think Devlin's going to be back next year? Uh, I think they're going to give him as many chances as possible because he is such an integral person for that team. Uh, the years that he's missed, the the Patriots running game kind of just evaporates. You know, the 2015 team uh, didn't do that great, and uh, they missed him all of last year. And so he was developing as a player. 2018 was probably his best year as a member of the Patriots, so I wouldn't be shocked if they gave him another opportunity to take that role. But definitely adding an additional fullback is with uh, Devlin's future in mind because who knows if he'll be able to go. And so there's definitely a question mark at that spot. Um, but beyond the fullback and tight end position, I think that the the rest of the offense, you know, other than quarterback two, is pretty set. Is that the sense that you have? In terms of guys that are viable starters, yes. I, I do think that they will probably go with another later round receiver at some point. Uh, they might go with a fourth or fifth round running back because that's kind of their MO as well. But I think with Masoni Michelle and Edelman and Nikhil Harry, the development of Jacoby Myers, um, I, I think that they have enough offensive weapons to at least make a run and, and be productive. Uh, again, the, the question mark is quarterback. Who's going to be there? The Patriots will draft a quarterback at some point. They always seem to. The question is just how high and defensively they're bringing back the bulk of their guys from last year the secondary is going to be in great shape linebacker depth is an issue as you mentioned uh defensive line is pretty much all set so i, I think that's in place to at least be contenders uh, in the afc next year depending on how well the quarterback adapts i don't think they're going to fall off this massive cliff uh it's going to be interesting to say the least but i think for the most part the patriots are in pretty decent shape coming into this draft and they have a pretty num a large number of selections in rounds three through six as well yeah absolutely and this is a very deep draft and when you look at the type of players that they need uh at linebacker there's not many blue chip linebackers you have patrick queen coming out of lsu and potentially kenneth murray out of oklahoma depending how you feel about him but there is a real big bulk of linebackers that could be three down players that aren't necessarily world beaters, but they'd be good enough to like start on the Patriots defense that you could get in the third or fourth round, starting with, you know, Logan Wilson coming out of Wyoming. I think that he has a three down potential. He did a really good job against the run. Um, well, I guess technically you could say Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson is a blue chip guy, but I'm not even considering top 10 picks. Um, so, you have a lot of options uh, in the middle round. Malik Harrison out of Ohio State is another name. And then Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, who just got tagged for PEDs, uh, or I guess technically a diluted sample at the Combine. And Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. All of those players, uh, you know, Bond, because of that diluted sample, 
could be available at the end of day two, where the Patriots will have a lot of picks. So I think that the Patriots will be fine at the linebacker spot, even though that is the most glaring hole that I see on their defense. Um, and then on the off uh, on the defensive line spot, you have John Simon, and I expect Chase Winovich will have a bigger role. Those are your two starter guides on the end, and I believe Shalit Calhoun, and then maybe Dietrich Wise. You know, they they could add another pass rusher on the end. I wouldn't be shocked if they did, because you can't really rely on Derek Rivers or Keontae Davis due to their injury history. So I could see the Patriots adding another pass rusher. But again, the big glaring things that they have outside of quarterback, as you said, I think they'll be fine. And so when it comes to the draft, as you said, the Patriots have the 23rd overall pick. They have no picks in the second round. What do you think is the most likely thing that New England will do with their first round pick? Uh, I think the obvious answer is trade down, acquire more picks, blow a second round on DB that never sees the field. <laughs> However, to keep it a little more fresh and a little more interesting, uh, I, maybe I'll, I'll go a little different direction. Uh, one thing Bill Belichick loves to do is he loves to uh, look at players who had very promising careers that were cut short due to injuries and then have some question marks going into it. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, great example. He had a back problem, so he dropped a little bit in the draft. Paid off very, very much. Aaron Hernandez had behavioral issues that dropped him to the fourth round. It would have paid off had he not become a psychopath. Um, Dominique Easley, however, did not pay off, right? He had knee injuries. He never quite got on the field. So I can see Bill Belichick taking a – still trading back, but maybe with that second-round pick taking a kind of player who did very much uh, – did very good things early in his career, but then maybe his junior year had a shoulder injury or an ACL injury, um, which leads me to guys like, like Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Uh, I can see him taking a guy like a flyer on that guy uh, because he's an Alabama thing. And the Belichick Saban thing is obvious and well noted. They've taken like eight Alabama players the Patriots have. You mentioned adding another defensive edge player. I think edge slash kind of like hybrid linebacker is a very big role in the Patriots. Terrell Lewis can do that. Uh, so I, I can definitely see them doing that. I can also see them, Rich Hill, um, going totally off the wall and drafting a kicker in like the second <laughs> round. I can totally see him doing that. Uh, the, guy, the guy's name escapes me, but he's an absolute animal. He's got these amazing thick glasses. Tyler What's Bass? the guy's name? Um, or is that Rodrigo Blankenship? No. That's it, Rich. Rodrigo Blankenship. If ever there was a Patriots hero based on namesake alone, it is Mosi Tatupa and Blankenship. I would love to see him come in there and just start <laughs> booming them. Again, nobody knows what Belichick's going to do, but based on his history, I see them trading out of the first round and going with like a high upside injury prone guy who fell because of yeah, those Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely makes it. I'd be shocked if they chose a kicker in the second round. Don't get me wrong, but uh, th those injured players that somehow are available in day two is definitely who he likes to go for. Uh, you know, sometimes you get a Rob Gronkowski, sometimes you get a Razai Dowling. Um, Hopefully, he'll have a little bit better luck this time. Uh, an injured player that won't be available in the second round, but has been connected to the Patriots with increasing, uh, you know, just increasing frequency these days, is former Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, who is or was, you know, a Heisman contender in the middle of the year, uh, had a hip injury, and he was going neck and neck with Joe Burrow to be that top quarterback prospect and now he had a hip injury that people are saying is what uh, derailed Bo Jackson's career so there's concerns about how he will recover from such an injury uh Alec Peter King uh, writer for NBC Sports says that uh, in his mock draft projection that the Patriots will trade up to get Tua what do you think about that scenario 
I just don't see it, Rich. I mean, they drafted Jared Stidham last year. He was a potential second uh, round round prospect, first round prospect, even on some draft boards that fell. He had a year under Tom Brady's tutelage. I think Stidham's going to be the guy they roll with, uh, and I think they'll have to give up so much to trade up for Tua that I don't really see Belichick ever doing the, the, the math or arithmetic on that and making it worth his while. What I can see happening, though, Rich, is if there is a quarterback who's supposed to go high, who starts to slip, uh, maybe past the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers are definitely in need of a quarterback right now. Uh, I can see them if they're going to trade up trading up for a guy like Justin Herbert uh, out of Oregon. I really like him. He's a big guy. He's 6'6", 240. He ran about a 4'6", 4'740". Uh, again, I think he'll probably go to the Chargers at, uh, at six overall, but he can he's a level headed guy. He's got good interview skills. He's coachable. He's got great arm. He's I think he was the highest, uh, most accurate quarterback in this year's quarterback group. Um, he needs to work on his kind of distribution of the ball. But that's, again, a coaching issue. I can see them definitely moving up to take him. But I don't know. I just feel like they're going to have to give up so many picks to draft to uh, not including maybe some picks next year as well. And given the hip injury and how he'll fit in the offensive scheme, I don't know if I see it. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely would have to trade up a lot to get them. In my head, if Tua is available at a spot where they could trade up to get him, I, I would do that in a heartbeat uh, just because I think that he is a pretty complete package at quarterback. And you don't miss that opportunity when you're the Patriots because you never get an opportunity to draft early. And if not, and if it doesn't pan out, uh, then you're probably drafting first overall. So if they can trade up without giving up next year's first, I would do that without question. And I would wonder if maybe Joe Tooney could be a trade piece to make that happen uh, if Tagovailoa goes into the middle of the first round. Um, but at, at the quarterback spot, I think what is going to be more likely because I don't think Stidham is enough of a player to prevent the Patriots from drafting another quarterback because he has no experience. And, you know, I, I think that they like his potential and his upside, but you don't ignore the position based off of the player's upside. You still try to find someone else that can help. But that's when you go into like the day two, early part of day three, where, you know, round three, round four, you add some of the best players on the board at that position. You know, if Jalen Hurts is available in round three, I would take him without thinking twice. Uh, if someone like Jake Fromm or yeah. Anthony Gordon, Jacob Eason, uh, if those are players that are available in rounds, you know, three, four, I would not be surprised if the Patriots took them because, you know, just add to the competition. Worst case scenario, and you wind up with two good quarterbacks, you can trade one. You know, the, the worst, like, it's, it's not a problem if you have two good players at the position. It's a bad thing if you have one player who turns out to be nothing, and then you didn't invest more capital into that spot. So I, I would be shocked if the Patriots didn't add another quarterback in the middle of the draft. I definitely agree with that. Again, I love Jake Fromm. I think he's a uh, potential early round, uh, early round three pick. You can get him. And as I've always said, the absolute worst time to draft a quarterback is when you need one. And I can't imagine Belichick to go into this draft needing a quarterback to start. I think Stidham is the guy, but they're definitely taking a quarterback. I can't see him rolling with Stidham Hoyer and Cody Kessler. That's just not a, a good quarterback room. There's not enough kind of veteran leadership outside of Hoyer in there. Uh, and if it can be Stidham and somebody that the Patriots can get in there, Great, great. But I still think, and I said it last year, I'll double down this year, Rich. I still think they need to go tight end this year, Rich. And one thing I like about the tight end class, even though it's not super, super deep, uh, there isn't really a stud, which means I think maybe I'm crazy. If I'm being an idiot here, you let me know and you call me out. I think they can actually get 
the overall number one consensus tight end, who is uh, Cole Komet from Notre Dame, without breaking the bank for him. And I think he'd be a good fit. Yeah. So if when do you think he would be available? And uh, when or if they aren't able to get him, who else do you think is available? I think you could probably get Komet at the top of round two. If you trade out of round one, go into round two, I think he could be available depending on how the draft shakes out, obviously. Um, everyone is now linking Randy Moss's kid to the Patriots. They have been for some time. Uh, I think some of the luster has gone off that since Tom Brady left. Uh, I wanted to see Tom Brady throw it up with Thaddeus and Randy Moss. But uh, <laughs> I, I do like the kid. He's, he's a good red zone target. Uh, you can probably get him on in round four or later. Uh, I, I think he's a he's a hardworking kid, but I, you know, I don't think he's going to be the the overall guy that you really want. Um, I like Jacob Breland out of Oregon. I think you can probably get him in in like a late round steal if you can if, if he's if he's available in rounds four or five. Um, and then there's a guy that uh, the small school guy. Uh, his uh, name Adam is Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman. Thank you. I think he's one. He's a classic classic Patriot that they also talk to at the combine. No one's really heard of him. Maybe they reach for him and he ends up being impressive. So I think there are players out there you can have in that meaty round three through six, the Patriots have a bunch of picks there that they can get some help with. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like Cole Komet too. He's a lot of upside at this point. Uh, and so I think if they wanted him at the early part of the second round, they could do that. Um, but I would say that this is a very weak tight end class, like probably one of the weakest that we've seen. And, you know, if you look at like the 2016 draft or the 2012 draft, when only uh, Hunter Henry and Kobe Fleener, respectively, were drafted in the first two rounds, uh, it, I wouldn't be surprised if in the third round you had some of these other players available. So if maybe commits off the board, uh, you would have tight ends like Hunter Bryant. Uh, Troutman, as you said, or Harrison Bryant out of FAU. Those are three guys that can catch the ball, that can run after the catch, that would fit in well as that receiving tight end that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast that Bill Belichick is looking for. And they're all kind of undersized. They're not, none of them are over 250, but they can move. They have hands. And I, I think that that is a good starting place, especially when the Patriots don't have anyone at the tight end position to, to prevent them from taking it. And all that points to, in my head, the Patriots trading down from number 23 overall because they just need more picks in day two because I think there's a very deep draft that they can capitalize on. I agree. Again, they're going to trade out of draft pick one, and maybe they don't just tight end position at all, and they, they go more receivers. Maybe they totally complete zigging and zagging. Um, I don't – besides Edelman, who I think will be 34 coming into the season, there's really not like a, a bona fide proven receiver on that team. Nikhil Harry flashed. Mohamed Sanu coming off of surgery. So maybe they go with another receiver in the middle rounds. Uh, are there any receivers that you see the Patriots getting in round four or five or six? Yeah, I don't know about rounds four, five, and six, but I've, I've done a lot of focus on the, the day two of the draft because I think once you get past round four, it's all darts. It doesn't really matter. And so if there's there's a few players that really stand out to me for uh, great reasons that should be available for the Patriots, but just kind of question marks otherwise. So I'd want to point to uh, T. Higgins out of Clemson, who was you know considered a top 10 pick for most of the season. And then for whatever happened during the, the offseason, he started to slide. You know, his 40 time wasn't as fast as some of the other guys. And it's kind of it. That's all I can see. Like he, he is now being considered available in the second round by pretty much everyone. And I'm looking at this and I'm just like, what am I missing? I feel like this is Juju Smith Schuster all over again, where he was just an absolute dominant player when he was younger. 
and somehow he slid to the end of the second round. And because this is such a deep draft at wide receiver with Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, uh, and potentially Justin Jefferson, or, and maybe Jalen Rieger all going in the first round, and then you have other players like Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State and Denzel Mims. You have all of these players that T. Higgins is kind of getting lost in the mix. And there's not, I mean, there's so many good wide receivers that could be a second round pick in any other given draft. But in this year, maybe they'll start sliding into round three. Higgins is one name that I would want to watch for that I would be willing to use a top 50 pick to get. Uh, and then the other one would be Michael Pittman out of USC. I think he's a big body on the outside that would allow Nikhil Harry to go back to the inside uh, and would really complement the wide receivers that the Patriots currently have and give them a red zone option. But both Pittman and Higgins are two players that I think would fit in really nicely with the Patriots. Uh, Rich, I'm going to throw a name out there. Uh, however, I'm going to warn you, it's a Florida Gator. Um, so please don't mm. allow that to to mar any judgment you have because the Patriots have not had good luck picking guys out of Florida. But uh, there's a Patriots player named Sean Jefferson uh, yep. in the mid-90s, good receiver. Uh, he was a Bledsoe target. He was, I think he was on the Super Bowl team in 1996. And uh, his son, Van Jefferson, is playing for the Gators right now. And I can see him a round three guy. And he had a really good Super Bowl. He's a 50-50 machine is a not really a burn runner. I think he's one of the better runners in the draft class. I feel like he'd really thrive in the Patriot system. Am I being blind here because of the Sean Jefferson connection or <laughs> leave the Florida thing alone? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that he has good footwork and that's something that I really look for when I'm thinking 